Hey, parents and little adventurers. Ever wondered where hot dogs come from? Dive into a world of wonder with the new children's book about cellular agriculture. Cellular agriculture? What's that? It's the science behind tomorrow's foods. Discover the journey of a family barbecue in a way that's fun, educational, and downright tasty. Grab your copy of Where Do Hot Dogs Come From? on Amazon today. Yum! The future sounds so delicious. Curious for more? Visit www.hotdog.fyi. Happy reading! Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Podcast. Today we're excited to have Didier Tubia from Aleph Farms on this episode. I had a great discussion with DDA and there was some background noise during the recording. Our audio engineers did a great job to minimize it. However, some of it is still present, but the content was so good that we didn't want to cut out any of the discussion. Before we get started, I wanted to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Radical Snacks. They're giving us a 20% discount through October if you use the coupon code FUTUREFOODS on their website at www.radicalsnacks.com. That's the botanical spelling of radical ending in I-C-L-E. There are a lot of great cultured meat and biotech events coming up, including the Good Food Conference, which is sold out. They have a sign-up available for their live stream, so check out www.goodfoodconference.com. The Good Food Institute has been a tremendous help to our show. Special thanks to Brad Barbera and David Welch from Series 1. If you haven't checked out their episodes, please do so. Our team is putting together the Cultured Meat Symposium in San Francisco on November 1st. Tickets are available now, and they're selling out fast. We'll be covering all aspects of cultured meat, following the themes of impact, future, and flavor. Learn more and get your tickets at www.cms18.com for the Cultured Meat Symposium. New Harvest is expanding their team and hiring several positions in the New York City area. New Harvest is a nonprofit organization covering all things cellular agriculture. To learn more about their open positions, please visit www.new-harvest.org. Didier Tubia is a biologist and food engineer by education. Aleph Farms is part of the cellular agriculture revolution, the production of agricultural products from cell cultures, and their first product is a sustainable, healthy, and ethical bovine cultured meat. Didier has been instrumental in bringing several innovative life science products to the global market. He served as NLT Spine's CEO, a VC-backed startup successfully sold to NASDAQ-listed C-Spine, during his six years as CEO, Didier raised over $20 million, opened the U.S. operations, and led a co-development with Johnson & Johnson. Prior to that, Didier co-founded and served as the CEO of IceCure Medical, a VC-backed, fast-growing medical device company which successfully went public on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. He served as the partner at the life sciences practice of Kukerman & Co. Investment House. Didier started his career as a researcher in biochemistry and microbiology at the food department of the ARO Volcani Center. Didier holds a Master's of Engineering in Biology, Biotechnology, and Food Engineering from Agrosoup Dijon in France, including a thesis at the Technion Institute of Technology in Israel, and an International Executive MBA from the Kellogg School of Management from Northwestern University and the Reconati Graduate School of Business Administration in Tel Aviv. Didier is a co-inventor of 40-plus patents and has raised over $45 million in total. Didier, I'd like to welcome you to the Cultured Meat 
and Future Food Podcast. Good morning and thanks for having me. Didier, please tell us a little bit about yourself, Aleph Farms, and your, really your motivation to work on clean meat. Yes, um, I'm a food engineer and biologist by education, and I've been always involved with the projects and companies with a, a purpose, um, either in the field of food or uh, medical devices. So for me, clean meat is uh, really the best way to combine my background as a biologist, as a food engineer, uh, together with a, a clear purpose for humanity and for the planet. So, have you eaten clean meat? And if yes, tell us a little bit about your experience. I haven't eaten clean meat yet. Um, we are still working on our, our prototype at Aleph Farms, which should be ready toward the end of this year. Um, so, that should come very soon and uh, we'll make sure we update you and the, the audience on uh, the first public testing of Aleph Farms Clean Meat. Tell us a little bit about how Aleph is different and really what kind of meat Aleph Farms is working on and uh, if you're working on any complex structures other than just ground beef or ground meat. Aleph Farms is uh, definitely different than other clean meat companies and I'll explain why. We believe that clean meat is facing two key challenges for a, a really driving large acceptance and a wide use of clean meat globally. The first one is uh, cost and scalability. And I assume each of the companies in the field do have some strategy to address that issue. At Ali Farms, we uh, do have a very systematic uh, method we have developed for driving costs down based on a different bioreactor approach, um, our own serum-free medium, and other aspects of uh, cell biology we are uh, implementing at that stage. And the second main challenge for clean meat, we believe, is uh, to have an attractive product. We uh, believe that clean meat should be an experience, should be emotional, and, and not just a raw material for processed food. And that's where uh, the key difference between other farms and other companies is coming in. We have acquired from the Technion in, in Israel, in the north of uh, the country, license, license and a platform for three-dimensional culture of uh, four different types of cells, co-culture of uh, the, all the cells which are composing the traditional form meat we know, meaning muscle fibers together with the fat, with the connective tissue and blood vessels and in a way which uh, uh, enables us to obtain a structured and a textured tissue at the end of the process, which is uh, much more similar to the form meat we're used to purchase and to eat um, on a day-to-day uh, basis. So that's a, a really a key difference between other farms and uh, the competition. and. Uh, as far as uh, we're aware, we're the only company today which has already grown and which has a proof of concept for connective tissue and blood vessels. That connective tissue, it doesn't grow in a particular shape, for example, like in the shape of a ribeye steak, but it would have the same consistency. Is that right? Yes, the idea is uh, um, to mimic fond meat much better. Connective tissue is actually the part of the meat which holds the tissue together and which uh, provides a large part of the, the structure of the tissue. Uh, structure is very important uh, for many reasons, both for the um, sensory properties of the meat and also for the ability to provide um, a thick meat and uh, um, 
uh, an end product much closer to, to a steak. And blood vessels are very important, and not only because of the taste, but also because they have a role in a, a, as a net, as a scaffolding for the end tissue. And so they also have a, a role in the texture and the structure of the meat. There's a lot of successful companies com- coming out of Israel, both tech companies and also biotech companies working on clean meat. Do you see uh, Israel as a clean meat hub? Yes, I assume we can call Israel a clean meat hub. And I believe the reasons are first because in Israel we have a very high level of expertise in stem cells. And actually, um, that's an expertise and a know-how which is very useful for developing uh, clean meat companies. For some uh, regulatory reasons, Israel um, has been much more open to uh, uh, the stem cells industry than uh, the US or Europe. So you can find in the country human resources and you can access uh, know-how which is relatively unique uh, globally. And on top of that, Israel is very active as a vegan community and very organized as a vegan community. So there is a a lot of um, entrepreneurs here who are uh, trying to promote and to uh, develop alternatives to meat. And finally, Israel is known for its entrepreneurship spirit. We have here a lot of startups and a lot of uh, thinking out of the box approaches and a lot of entrepreneurs willing and uh, ambitious for uh, uh, changing the world and for transformative technologies. Israel is uh, known as the startup nation, um, as you may have uh, heard before. And so the combination of of all those aspects, meaning expertise in stem cells, um, very structured, uh, began community and uh, entrepreneurship spirit makes Israel a a great environment for uh, clean meat startups to to grow and uh, to uh, develop. There's probably a lot of stem cell programs in the different universities compared to other countries. Would you say that's true? Yes, um, in the university, but also in uh, the industry uh, uh, setup, meaning in, in companies, which is relatively unique. Regarding the universities, we are partnering with the, the Technion, as I mentioned uh, before, in the north of Israel, more specifically with the, the lab of Professor Levenberg who is known as one of the leading researchers in the field of uh, tissue engineering. She's actually uh, graduated from the Weizmann Institute and um, has a postdoc from uh, MIT with uh, Professor Bob Langer. We have other uh, very advanced technologies in other uh, universities. For instance, uh, Professor Nechmias in uh, the Hebrew University is also uh, connected with uh, FutureMeet, another clean meat company. But beyond that, we also have a lot of experience of applying stem cells and uh, cell cultures to medical applications, which uh, serves the clean meat industry as well, and which brings in a lot of uh, know-how and experience on the operational level. Um, As we mentioned before, the first challenge for clean meat is scale-up and uh, cost, which are more operational issues. Um, associated with the technical and scientific challenges, but very connected to operations. The BPA&D we have uh, hired at uh, Aleph Farms, Dr. Neta Lavon, comes from Kadima STEM, uh, which is a, um, a public company working on uh, stem cells treatments for ALS, for medical 
applications in human, and she has a lot of experience in scaling up stem cells production, in building up operations, uh, including uh, uh, clean environments, clean rooms, and bioreactors. So the, the combination of uh, uh, that high level of science and technology coming out from the university and the ability to uh, pick uh, talents from the uh, medical community, uh, from uh, companies who do have some track record in implementing stem cells practically, is uh, quite unique to Israel and uh, grants us a lot of uh, um, resources and uh, access to a lot of resources which are quite unique in the world. In addition to that, I was just thinking like, um, when you're working with a lot of different universities, uh, is it difficult to manage intellectual property or IP, or are the agreements pretty open, and is it flexible for a, a private company to work with universities when it comes to IP? Israel is uh, quite experienced in uh, tech transfer, technology transfer from university to the private sector, meaning that most of the universities do have some uh, um, relatively straightforward approach and practical approach for uh, transferring the technologies to startups or other private companies. So it's working quite well. And um, that's obviously not free of uh, challenges and there are always, you know, negotiation may take time. We acquired the license from the Technion for applying into clean meat. All the know-how and the IP Professor Levenberg has developed for medical applications. Um, and we find it uh, relatively easy to work with them Professor Levenberg does have a very practical and um, down-to-earth approach as far as research is concerned. And we're actually working in very clo close uh, relationship. We have uh, three researchers working for us directly at her lab under um, all joint uh, uh, guidance. On the top of uh, the researchers working at our own lab in the uh, Weizmann uh, Science Park in uh, Rehovot. So let's talk a little bit about antibiotics. Um, do we need to add antibiotics when making clean meat? And if so, how do we really get rid of this? How do we eliminate the need for it in cell cultures? Our goal is uh, to develop a process for growing our, our meat with no need for antibiotics in a clean uh, a setup, in clean conditions. Um, and I believe that that would really be a huge advantage of clean meat. So to your question, we do not need antibiotics and we'd like to offer a clean meat which would be clean of antibiotics, of uh, contamination and of other uh, bad things people or consumers prefer not to see in their meat. On top of that, if we're talking about food safety, I think that uh, a key advantage of clean meat, which has been spoken so much so far, is the fact that clean meat is fully transparent and traceable. Um, today, the meat industry, especially the beef industry in Europe, in the U.S., is uh, suffering for lack of uh, transparency and the uh, uh, difficulty for tracing the origins of the end products you can find at the uh, at butchery. As you know, consumers today are looking for products they know where they come from, and if it's meat, you know how it has been fed and where, and uh, which processes they've gone through. And that's very challenging today. So clean meat is really, in our views, solving a key issue, the uh, meat today, especially beef, which is the meat we're dealing with at that stage, and for uh, no contamination, no antibiotics, and for full uh, transparency and the traceability. 
when we're thinking about consuming clean meat in the future, what do you think the distribution will be like? For example, are the existing uh, ag- uh, animal agriculture farms going to cease to exist in, in a future where clean meat is the norm? Or uh, will they still have some sort of part in it? Or maybe will they be involved in, in creating clean meat? Or uh, how, how do you think that will the, the distribution aspect will work? And on that note, a lot of people refer to creating clean meat uh, like brewing beer, uh, such that there are, will be breweries making beer. You have a bioreactor creating clean meat. Do you think that we'll have these big clean meat factories or will the animal agriculture industry shift to creating clean meat? We're working on a strategy for having the, the farmers involved um, in, the, in the process. And we believe that the, the role of the farmers is to um, to feed the world. So the you know producing uh, meat one way or another should involve the farmers one way uh, or another. And we do not see at that stage in the stable future clean meat as a full substitute to farm meat. Our approach is um, that clean meat will probably coexist and live together with farm meat for the meat to long term. We'd like to see clean meat replacing, for instance, uh, some uh, um, factory farming practices, which are the most problematic methods for producing meat today. And I assume that uh, high-end, high-quality uh, grass-fed cows will continue to be uh, ground in the in the world. So we, we do see some integration between clean meat and the traditional meat industry. And that's a strategy we're working on at those weeks. So we will probably go out and um, talk about that a bit more in the next few weeks. This is the question uh, that everyone wants to answer to and nobody uh, likes to give an answer to. Uh, But when do you expect we'll be able to buy clean meat in the supermarkets? As far as Aleph Farms is concerned, we plan a limited launch of the first product sometime in 2021, meaning in three years from now. And I assume that uh, some other companies may come to the market slightly earlier, probably 2020. And the first product will probably be relatively expensive and, and might focus on the food services or, or uh, restaurants as a, a first go-to-market step. So supermarkets may come a bit later as a second step of market penetration. So to your question, it will be you know progressive, progressive rollout by some companies starting probably 2020, and it might take a few more years for clean meat to really uh, reach the the shelves and the supermarkets. It will probably not be at day one, um, but following some initial market penetration steps. So we have a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Chad from Indiana asks, what is the best way to get into the clean meat industry if you are currently uh, not in biotech? That's a good question. I think that the one aspect of uh, uh, the key success factors of clean meat is uh, the go-to-market, developing the right product for you know the right consumers. Obviously, we're not targeting only the vegan or vegetarian community, but rather the flexitarians uh, segment of the market or wider segment of the market and so the idea is really to uh, better uh, to plan well the 
market entry strategy, distribution, the concept we're building around CleanMeet, the regulation and regulatory path. So there are a lot of aspects which are not directly biotech, which are more on the the marketing and regulatory sides of clean meat. And so if uh, Chad, you're not, you know, biotech guy, and um, I think that you could have some value or some um, input uh, to the industry from uh, other angles as well. What can we expect to see from you or Aleph Farms in the near future? We'll probably have a new release and the advancement of the company in the next few weeks uh, in the course of uh, June or beginning of July. So I'm inviting, inviting you to stay tuned and um, to wait for it. We'll probably be um, exhibiting at the Tutor Food Tech in New York on the uh, 19th and, and 20th of uh, June. So you're invited to, to come and uh, see us in, uh, in New York. Um, and beyond that, um, we'll probably have some um, publicly available information um, about the products so at the end of this year, around the... Um, probably in uh, December um, and 2018. And we'll communicate a bit more actively around the direction we're taking with the products and the, um, the unique uh, path we're um, uh, going for uh, uh, getting to the market in uh, 2021, as I mentioned earlier. So you can get in touch with DDA on LinkedIn and learn more about Aleph Farms at www.aleph-farms.com. DDA, do you have any last insights for our listeners? We are talking a lot about clean meat and as a great vision for, for humanity, for, for the planet, for animals. I think that we have uh, not to forget that for clean meat uh, to to stay and to develop as a significant market, the product has to be good, meaning we have to make sure that the products will be priced reasonably, that the value uh, will be significant enough for the consumers, and that the products would provide real benefits, um, either in terms of uh, um, quality or perceived quality, and in terms of uh, solving real issues with the industry, uh, like we've mentioned, um, no antibiotics, no contamination, full transparency. At the end of the day, we have not to forget that when the consumer is the, the average consumer, we're not going just for you know small segments of the markets like uh, vegans. If we target the large, larger and uh, mass market, the consumer is making a purchase. Um, its purchasing decision is based on uh, his preference on the same day at the same time. It's not necessarily acting or, or buying a product just because of the long-term vision for uh, sustainability or animal welfare. Um, so the success of clean meat would be dependent on providing a good product, good quality, good price, solving uh, real problems, uh, which are problems now, and not only selling a, a vision. We should uh, make sure we combine the long-term vision with a short-term product strategy in a way which uh, would be balanced and which will make uh, clean meat successful in the long term. Didier, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story on the Cultured Meat and Future Food podcast. Thank you. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to being with you on our next episode.